I've listened to Make It Big by Wham for more than a year. And I listened to it once yesterday. Welcome to Spin It. Everybody, welcome back to another week of Spin It, the record-ranking podcast for people who would rather be listening to music. I'm James, and with me is Connor. Jitterbug. Save it for when we get to the song, yeah. We are go-going, though. That's what we're doing. And are you awake? I'm awake. Wait, what? Wait, oh, there's a perfect moment there, and I ruined it. Yeah, I, I thought I set that <laughs> uh, up pretty. No, no, I'm asleep. Oh. You better wake me up. Before we go go into this episode of Spin It. Mm, now it all feels very forced. Yeah, I ruined it. You, well, I'm, I'm not used to you teeing me up. Usually you just steal it. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not used to it. Sometimes. Hey, out of the two of us, who's Andrew Ridgely and who's George Michael? <sighs> I'm looking at a picture of both of them and realizing for the first time I don't know which is which. <laughs> let, it's okay. The audience can just let them their imaginations wander. They can decide. <laughs> I think Fact and Spin will settle that one for us. Okay, okay. I saw a peek at the mixtapers notes. You always do somehow. You need to stop looking. He he doesn't. His password is uh is just yeah zero one two three. Yeah, that is a pretty easy password. So what you're saying is it's inevitable for you not to put in his password and look at his notes. Like that's an impossible thing for you not to do. I I mean I don't even have to put in his password. It just autofills. Oh okay, so the, the story changes. You've moved the goalposts. I mean I know his password. It's simple, but I don't even have to put in the effort of. I just I just click a button and boom, it's there. <laughs> Stop clicking the button. Oh, it's a nice button. All I'm saying is you don't have to press it. Anyway, let's talk about Wham. Are you a Wham fan? Wham! Push, the, press the button. Yeah, press the Wham button. I Wham the button. Interesting verb. <laughs> I like it. So I'm going to start using it. Yeah. All episode. I know you know some Wham. Never heard of them. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's, no, it's impossible to exist in the United States in December without hearing Wham. It's just not a thing you can do because last Christmas is abundant. Every every Christmas, they just got to really hit you with uh, some wake me up before you go again. Well, that's not exactly Christmas tradition. That's not exactly what I'm thinking. But yeah, you're right. That's around a lot, too. Yeah, I'm surprised we didn't save them until closer to the holidays. Well, we can still talk about last Christmas around the holidays. We'll see. I'm surprised we didn't talk about it last Christmas. That would have been perfect. <laughs> well, it, in the moment, I guess it wouldn't have worked. But now it would have been perfect. Anyway... Wham! was a British pop duo made up of Andrew Ridgely and George Michael. The two of them met in high school in Hertfordshire, England. They started making music together, but it wasn't exactly always the power pop that Wham! has become known for. They started out, if you can believe it, in a ska band that was called The Executive. Yeah. Yeah? I can believe it, because I read that before you said it. I'm telling you, stop hitting the button. Just wait. I can't help Save it. Save it. can't help it. Let yourself learn things on this podcast. Don't learn things before it. I believe, as we've discussed on this podcast, this podcast is like the Bermuda Triangle for me. What comes in never comes out. What does that mean? I never remember any of it. It's like a, it's like a twilight zone for my memory. Just go re-listen. <laughs> it makes each re-listen fun because it's like hearing it for the first time, I guess. Except I hate the sound of my own voice, but yeah. Well, I, uh, we, I'll modulate it. I could change it. Say something. Yes, please. Make me sound like one of those people who's like wants to remain anonymous. Oh, blah, 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 blah. like that. You just did it to yourself. I really, <laughs> right? 
Today, I'm here to talk about my opinions, wham. Do you want to do the whole episode like that? We can make it happen. Can I do the whole episode like that and then you modulate my voice to sound back like I should? It's probably not going to happen. <laughs> well, we'll see. If the rest of the episode sounds normal, it happened. Right. So anyway, back on track, Ska Band called The Executive. That's what the two of them are up to. But... That band dissolved in 1981, so the two of them went all in on Wham! As for the band name, George Michael said they were looking for something that captured the essence of what set us apart. Our energy and our friendship, and then it came to us, Wham! Wham! was snappy, immediate, fun, and boisterous too. So that's, that's the origin of Wham! Well, mostly the origin. The extra snappy exclamation point got added to their name and the design of their graphics by the studio Stylo Rouge, and from then on it stuck. Wham! Exclamation point. The two started working on their debut LP, Fantastic, and after cranking out a few songs as a duo, including Wham! Rap, uh, parentheses, Enjoy What You Do, and Club Tropicana, they kind of figured that George Michael was turning into the main creative powerhouse of the band. So he started to take the reins a lot from that point. Their first album and a lot of its singles were pretty significant successes, and Wham! quickly became one of Britain's foremost pop acts. One such huge success, of course, was their holiday single, like we talked about last Christmas, which is a perennial staple on Christmas radio. Couple quick facts about that, because, yeah, I feel like we'd be remiss to do a Wham! episode and not do a little flyby on last Christmas. George wrote that in his childhood bedroom, and he played every single instrument on that track by himself. And another wild fact is it took the song 36 years to top the charts in the UK. Hmm. Yeah, finally, after 36 years of waiting, it topped the charts, that record was only just recently broken by Kate Bush's Running Up the Hill, which topped the charts in June 2022, <laughs> its 37th year. So that's those are the top two songs with the longest time between topping the charts and release. All because of Stranger Things. Yeah, I guess that's probably true. Stranger Things and then TikTok yeah. ran with Running Up the Hill. Yeah. So they finish up with Fantastic. Then they released Make It Big, their second and sadly final studio album in 1984. And after another round of enormous successes that we'll talk about in just a minute, George Michael and Andrew Ridley decided it was time to part ways after George kind of decided he wanted to start making music for more of an adult audience, right? And, and pivot away from their teen and young adult focus that they had as Wham. So it's a bit of a short-lived band. You know, they were only around for five years, but... In that time, they were nominated for a Brit Award and a Grammy in 1984 for Best Pop Performance by a Duo or Group with a Vocal, and that was for the song Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. They earned a British Award for Best British Group in 1985. 1986 won them an American Music Award for Favorite Pop Rock Band Video Artist. They won a Brit Award for Outstanding Contributions to Music. And uh, as far as post-career ambitions, Andrew Ridgely just released a single album that kind of got put through the critical ringer. It was not a huge hit. He also tried to dabble in Formula 3 racing in Monaco for a little while, but then he mostly decided to retreat from public life and has largely been out of the public eye since then. George Michael, though, went on to have a massively successful solo career with five studio albums and hit singles like Faith, I Want Your Sex, Father Figure, Freedom 90, and many, many, many more. He sold over 120 million solo records, 
which puts him firmly in the conversation for one of the top-selling artists of all time. He won 56 major awards on 173 nominations as himself, including two Grammys, a dozen Billboard Music Awards, a slew of MTV Awards, and many more. And sadly, George Michael passed away in 2016 on Christmas Day from heart problems and a fatty liver that resulted from that. It was totally unexpected. Uh, He was only 53 years old, and honestly, it shook up the music world quite a bit. I actually remember that. I didn't know Wham! at the time, but it definitely, like, sent shockwaves through all of social media. And so I very vividly remember learning about George Michael's death. Yeah, it was quite sad. Yeah, I know. It made the rounds. I know you don't do a ton of social media, but... No, I'm... Yeah. It, I don't remember it really shocking me too much, but sad when I when I read it. Of course. You empath, you. And this week we're talking about that second album, Make It Big. If you haven't heard it, honestly, it's always felt like such a quick listen. There's only eight tracks, and some of them are pretty significant hits. So, might be worth 39 minutes of your time or so. It came out in 1986, it released in October, and it is a very poppy album. It's a dance album, and actually Wham! got labeled as a dance protest group for their rebellious attitude and their youthful, carefree nature for a while. So I guess that makes them the first dance protest group we've covered on the podcast. Yeah, I guess. What's cool about this album, aside from it holding so many notable Wham! songs, some of you know their biggest songs, period, are from this record, is it's also a lot more creative control, right? Their first album was such a big success that the label kind of loosened the reins a little bit and let them do what they wanted to do with Make It Big. So it was nice. They made the switch to Epic Records and they gave them a lot more freedom. On its release, this album topped the charts, like number one topped the charts, in so many countries. To name a few, Australia, Canada, the Netherlands, Finland, Italy, Japan, New Zealand, Norway, Switzerland, the U.S., the UK, and it charted plenty high in other places too, if not number one. So massive international chart topper. They kicked off a world tour in support of the album in 1984. Make It Big today has been certified six times platinum in the US. So it remains a pretty monumental seller. And with that, I think we're ready to hop into some Factor Spin. Go ahead and log yourself into the Mixtapers computer and tell me all the answers quick. No, no. As much as I want you to win, that would be unsportsmanlike. Plus, he's staring over my shoulder looking at me. Oh, as the Mixtaper does. So he, yeah. That's where he spends most of the podcast episode, actually. <laughs> he just hovers behind you until it's his turn. Yeah, and then he goes off to do whatever the heck he's doing. I see. Well... Oh, hey, let's let's let him in. All right, scooch on over. Hey, Jitterbug. <laughs> Wham. Welcome back, Mixtaper. What an entrance. It's me. So it is. I hope you're ready. I feel very prepared for this week. Yeah? I'm gonna, I feel like I'm gonna wham this one out of the park. Uh, a bit of a stretch. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Well, I feel like I'm gonna make it big by winning this factor. I'm gonna make the margin of victory big. No? Okay. No. That didn't work out. Anyway, let's no, just let's not. just cut to the chase. <laughs> let's just skip all the formalities. My first one for you is that Wham! was the first Western band to ever play in China. 
Oh, the first, huh? Yes. Mm. So when did they play in China? In April 1985. Oh, so I guess that was like in support of Make It Big then for this album? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. So why China? And why hadn't anyone played in China before Wham? I mean, 1980, that's pretty far into music. China was very against Western culture. Uh, didn't want it tainting their superior culture. Uh, and it was the mentality at the time. But this would have been right after um, Mal died. Oh, yeah. And they their um, manager sweet-talked Chinese ministers for 18 months to get them to let Wham come play. 18 months? Yeah. This was a year-and-a-half endeavor Uh-huh. before they even said yes. Yeah, well, the ministers had dared it down to Wham and one other band to be the first to come in. Do I want to know the other band? Do you know the other band? You do. I do. Who is it? It was Queen. Queen? Oh, wow. Two big names. They beat out Queen. And they beat out Queen by showing the minister. Their manager showed the minister a bunch of like family-friendly images of Wham and juxtaposed them to some of the more risque images of Freddie Mercury. Mm. So China was like, mm, yes, we want the ones that are way more reserved <laughs> to come and play. I don't know if I'd call either Freddie Mercury or George Michael reserved, but yeah. Well, again, they use... They, cherry picked to the photos yeah well that makes sense wow what a what a standoff so how many western artists went into china after the floodgates had been opened with wham are they like one of the few i don't know you think i'm a chinese band expert no confidently i say no you are not (laughs) well surprise no (laughs) i think i'm gonna say this one is a fact I think this is true. This one is indeed a fact. Good job. One for one. Cool little piece of history right there. That really is. Yeah. How many bands out there can lay claim to being the first Western band to play in China? Honestly, probably only Um, one. one. (laughs) I think we just spent a couple minutes explaining that to you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a cool distinction. That's very neat. Nifty, in fact. Honestly, that's beyond neat. It's nifty. Nifty. You know know what what else else is nifty? nifty? I hate that we both just did that. (laughs) You know what else is nifty? My next fact. That is is nifty. So you mentioned earlier that Andrew Wrigley uh, spent a little bit of time uh, racing. Yes, Formula 3 racing. Yes, yes. But did you know that his racing career is actually referenced? in a popular pop culture animated film really yes okay that's interesting um i don't want to ask what film just yet when did the film come out (laughs) okay 2011 recent then well i mean recent relative to Uh, wham's about to say over a decade ago Recent relative to wham's (laughs) career in my lifetime a movie that i would know about the release of in theory Mm -hmm. is it part of a, a larger series of movies uh yes part of a trilogy is it the first part of a trilogy no the third part of a trilogy incorrect i don't know what else to guess (laughs) what second animated movie came out in 2011 what indeed why don't you tell me and then i'll make a guess oh we're we're playing it like that yeah (laughs) i'll give you one more hint see if you can lock it down how about that Okay. well that's dastardly of you but i i come to expect nothing less sure (laughs) we've talked about it on this podcast we've talked about the animated movie on this podcast part of a sure have well we actually talked about the first film but then in passing talked about the second one in relation to the first one yeah i don't know what movie is it cars (laughs) 2 
cars <laughs> too. Yeah. Oh, I see. So we would have talked about the first movie was Life is a Highway. We had a whole fact about cars. Yeah, we had a whole fact about cars. And then we mentioned the second one in passing. Mm. Okay, so there is a lot of open wheel racing on cars too. Like they are in Monaco doing racing. What's the reference to Andrew Ridgely? Is there a car that looks like him or something? I don't know. Uh, well, like his, well, like his his car, correct? Okay. Ooh. So how did his racing career go? I know it was kind of short lived, but not well. <laughs> yeah. Go, do tell. Let's just say DPR mechanic John Boy Walton once said, "I don't actually recall a race where he didn't hit something." Oh no! So he was just terrible. He just crashed into everything. <laughs> Is that what the car does in the movie? Does it actually perform? Yep. <laughs> it's everything. Dang, so this was a diss. This wasn't like a tribute. It was a yeah. it was a diss. It's actually so the scene in question is in the scene where they're having like the banquet dinner thing or whatever, like the party. Sure. And his car is in with a group of cars with Lewis Hamilton's car, who is another famous driver in the movie that gets some lines. And his car, like, crashes into all, to, like, the waiter that's carrying all the, like, drinks and whatnot. He just, he hits everything. He's, like, constantly knocking things over, making a mess. He's a bit of a klutz. And he's tags along with that group of cars. That's awesome. Okay. Does he have lines? Does he voice himself? No, oh, no, no lines. Sad. Yeah. Slapstick comedy. That's all. Yeah. So how did he how did he get into racing if he was so bad at it? Like I assume it is professional driving, so you have to have some degree of I mean, competence. Yeah. So after Wham, you know, announced their end, he went to the Jackie Stewart organized clay pigeon shoot on the eve of the British Grand Prix. What? At uh, Brands Hatch. Okay, that took a turn. Yeah, and he fell in love with with the sport. It, uh, he fell in love with professional driving at a clay pigeon event. So he was at the clay pigeon on the eve of, oh, the, the, Grand, eve of the British Grand so Prix. So he was at the Grand Prix, like a part of the festivities was a clay pigeon trap shoot or something. I guess, I guess or at least close by enough that he could like see the fanfare going on. Mm, yes. And he said that he had no ambition to go on to do anything and at the time oh. was simply interested in pursuing whatever interest came his way and that happened to be motor racing motor racing wow okay i think i'm confident enough to lock in that this one's a fact well you're confident enough to be wrong <laughs> wait wait really <laughs> wow yep this is a spin oh i mean all the stuff about the racing is true but he's not referenced in cars too i just wanted to bring cars back up on this mm, podcast see it felt a little <laughs> mean to just make a character that was so like klutzy and just like yeah but mean. cars 2 sucks well so. sure but they're funny there can be funny <laughs> jokes in cars too even if it's not a good movie so what about that quote from his mechanic yeah no that's true oh he just was a bad driver he just wasn't in the movie yeah he was a bad driver that's where i got the inspiration for for what his character would do Mm, that's pretty brilliant why do you make better scenes than the actual writers of cars it's the second time now that you've come up with a scene that's in a cars movie that's better than most of the scenes in the cars movie pixar hire me i mean you know we're entertaining offers so <laughs> one one i thought that one was gonna be a fact nope now's when we really start to you know we're, we're ramping up the silly you know the silly Classic ramp up. Yeah, ramp it up. The buffoonery, as uh, if you will. Oh, yes. And my next one, George Michael once had phantom accent syndrome. Phantom accent syndrome, I presume, where he spoke in an accent that he doesn't have. Correct. That is what phantom accent syndrome is. Yeah, just, just to be clear. 
And so he speaks with a British accent as someone from England, right? What accent did he take on? A West Country accent. Oh, so when you say West Country, that makes me think of like Westerns, like John Wayne, you know? Yeah. Like a yeah. cowboy. He took on a like a country yep. accent. Why? When? Uh, this was in 2011 after a life-threatening bout of pneumonia put him in a coma. Oh. When he awoke, he had this accent. Ah, uh, that's tough. I've heard stories about people having, you know, some kind of like brain injury or traumatic thing happen. And then, yeah, you, you do like, I've heard of the phenomenon of phantom accent syndrome. Good, good. Glad you're familiar. Yeah. How long did he have the accent? Did it, I mean, went away, obviously. It lasted only for two days. Okay. So not that long then. No. Imagine how shocking it must be to just like come out of a coma and just want to express your relief at being conscious. And then you open your mouth to speak and the voice that comes out sounds like you pretending to be someone else. Did he have any comments on it or thoughts? Yeah, he did. And I know, again, I said it was kind of a bit silly, and it is a silly concept, the idea of just speaking in a weird accent. But it is kind of frightening. He says, you know, he woke up to have this accent and was afraid he'd have it for the rest of his life. Yeah. He said, there's nothing wrong with a West Country accent, but it is a bit weird when you're from North London. Yeah. Yeah. And at what point, and I guess you'd never know how long it was going to last, but like at what point in the process would you like just try and imitate your old accent? What you did? I, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. Wow. It's amazing that the brain could be rewired like that. What Do you, do you think you'd even have the ability to like, because like you're, you're, you're normal accent is just how you sound you think you'd be able to like imagine if you woke up and your voice sounded different you think you could replicate how you sound now with practice maybe yeah i guess maybe if you could hear yourself talk. i just don't know if i could do it without having like a recording of myself talking to emulate i don't know if i could pull it from memory if only we had a recording of your voice i don't know if we could scrounge up some recording of you talking sometime maybe luckily you don't have a any recordings of my real voice i'm the mixtaper i can make my voice change at will it's my, it's my superpower. You know, until this very moment, I'd never considered that we don't know what the mixtaper's actual <laughs> voice is because you just always mix it to sound like Connor or me. Oh, wow. Yeah, I guess that's, that's a good point. Well, I'm going to go ahead and say this phantom accent syndrome one is also, weirdly enough, a fact. I think I'm all in on that. So I've gone fact, spin, fact, according to you. So far, yes. So far, you would be correct. Ooh. This is a fact. Okay, so we've got a final ramp on the horizon. I got one more to to wham you with. Wham, go out, go on, wham me with it. George Michael had a pet capybara. So capybara, like the world's largest rodent. Yes. Interesting. What first question? Most important question. What was its name? I'm gonna do my best to pronounce this. Carpincho. Oh, it sounds Italian. But you know me in pronunciations. Yes. So I'm going to have to just take your word for it. So why a capybara? There's a lot of potential pets out in the world. What draws George Michael to the capybara? It belonged to his boyfriend slash soulmate in Selmo. Oh, okay. So so he just like adopted it then? Yeah. Okay. Unfortunately, uh, An Anselmo passed away. Oh, no. Yes. He thus took possession of it. How does, how does one care for a capybara? Carefully. <laughs> okay fair enough i don't know do i look like a capybara care expert i don't know well surprise you seem to be pretty friendly with that gopher i guess caring for them is probably about the same the gopher cares for me yeah i can believe it how long did he have the pet for himself he 
gave it to a zoo in 1998. I see. After he gave it to the zoo, did he still get to go visit it? I, I'm sure he did. Um, he says he gave it to the zoo because he could not take care of it and it seemed unhappy. And so he wanted it to be somewhere happy. I assume he would continue to go visit it if it belonged to his dead soulmate. Well, yeah, that's true. I'm trying to see what happened to it. Hang on. The Cappy buried it. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's sad. Carpinchot passed away in 2001. Oh, no. He, well, he lived to be nine years old, which apparently is about on par for capybaras. Oh, good. He lived to be about on par. <laughs> I think this is interesting, but very true. I'm going to say I believe this. Going with fact again. Yeah, George Michael is, uh, you know, at times an eccentric guy. He described his own band as, like, energetic <laughs> and snappy and boisterous. So what's more snappy and boisterous than a pet capybara? Than a capybara? I think this is a fact. <laughs> Capybaras ooze boisterousness. I suppose they could. You think? Wrong. Oh. This is a spin. Really? His name was actually... No, okay. Oh. <laughs> that, one would, that would make me mad, especially since you couldn't pronounce the name you gave. <laughs> that was all part of the lie. It's not even a lie. It's just a, it's an act. It was a performance. It was part of the performance. Yeah. <laughs> the stuff about his boyfriend, who he claims to be, his, have been his soulmate, and and Selmo is true and all that. Uh, but no capybara. And in fact, Carpincho is Spanish for ca- capybara. <laughs> oh, so you, you just you just picked the name from another language. <laughs> Exactly. Yes, Anselmo was uh, and him met in a uh, performance he did in Brazil, and capybaras are native to Brazil. So no capybaras died during the research of this fact, right? That means um, if Carpentio wasn't a real capybara, then he did not pass away in 2001. No, he did not. Oh, thank goodness. He's still out there in our dreams. Pretty on par for capybaras. <laughs> <laughs> I dream about capybaras from time to time. Well, they, they do uh, ooze boisterousness. I guess I shouldn't be surprised we had a 50-50 week. Yeah, we, we've had a couple 50-50s in a row now, Five right? Five 50-50 weeks in a row, dating back to Olivia Rodrigo. Uh-oh, wait, is nobody taking the lead in the season yet? Are we still tied <laughs> Not deadlock? since Radiohead. Oh, no. I do like that both my spins got you, though. They were good spins. Thank you, thank you. I'm excited to see what you spin up next week. I tricked you like a baby. Like stealing candy from a baby. It was, it was, I wouldn't say you tricked me that easily, but I appreciate the reference to the song. With that, you know, I, I, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna bid you a yeah. Okay. All right. Get out of here and welcome back to the one and only Connor the Third. That's me. I forgot about that. <laughs> I didn't. Let's talk about the cover art for Make It Big. You might have noticed if you've been digging into this album at all, and you probably haven't. I guess you probably just clicked on the podcast because it was here. But if you have, you'll notice there's two kind of variants mostly for the cover art. And both Impossible. are pretty dramatic portraits of, of George Michael and Andrew Ridgely just, just looking at you. I still don't know which is which. George Michael's the one in black. Okay, the one in black, not the one with black hair. Yes. He looks like a capybara owner. That's what I'm saying. I know. Um, I should have known. Should have known. Should have. Well, I don't... Should have <laughs> known what? Oh, that he looks like a capybara. But he, he's not a capybara owner. That wouldn't have told you anything. Nobody looks like it. I suppose. I don't have much to say about this album cover. I, I think it's fine. I don't know if it really pops in a way that makes me go wham but hey i like the colors i think it fits i think it fits the uh ambiance of careless whisper well sure yeah it certainly does and i mean to that end too 
Careless Whisper is not the only song that has an aura like that one on this album. No, but it's the one. I think it goes with the album well. I just don't think it's necessarily a big draw. It's not an album cover where I go, oh, snap. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's an album cover that looks like it came from a record that came out in 1984. So they nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah. Let's talk about one of the most iconic Wham! songs, period. The the lead track from this record Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. I'm pretty sure this iconic song is one that transcends Wham! fandom. Wait, wait, wait. You told me to save my, my, to save my line for this moment. Oh, yeah. Sorry. May I proceed? You may. Jitterbug. Nailed, Nailed it. it. Thank you. <laughs> Spot on. So I'm, I'm guessing since this song is such a big hit, I'm guessing a lot of people know this one or at least know of this song, even if you're not familiar with Wham. You'd have to have been living under one of those rocks in the glass houses to not know this song. That's true. Interesting little tidbit, the double go in the title apparently comes from one of Andrew Ridley's typos. He left a note for George, and that's what it said. Wake me up before you go-go. It's not what he meant to say. Interesting. He just meant to say wake me up before you go, but the extra go got in there. He meant to say before you go-yo. I I guess that's possible. Or bro. Maybe wake me up before you go, bro. Mm. Or pro. He was trying to invent the GoPro. I don't think he was trying to invent the GoPro, but that's a guess. Wake me up before you go-pro. Sure. As far as this is just about go going, I think you're you're digging too deep. What about the boom boom? Was that a uh, typo as well? No, no. They they built on once they had the go go thing. They really leaned into it. But the bang 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 that was one too many bangs, right? Because they were doing the double thing. But then he accidentally typoed a third bang. I don't know. I th- I think a third bang fits pretty good. Oh no, it fits. It's great. It's just a typo. I mean, fair enough. As far as the inspiration for this song goes, George said. I just wanted to make a really energetic pop record that had all the best elements of 50s and 60s records combined with our attitude and our approach. It's one of those tracks that gets rid of a lot of your own personal influences. It reminds me of so many different records that I couldn't actually nail them down. So this is very kind of a melting pot of all the older music that George Michael knew and loved. Well, he nailed it. That's what I'm saying. I know, it's a great song. They actually were in the studio to rehearse, right? They weren't planning on cutting any tracks but they were just rehearsing and when you rehearse you roll the tape so if someone does something cool or something bad you can play it back and say oh i like this let's you know try it again let's do this you suck yeah sure (laughs) so they went and did a rehearsal take and the rehearsal take was so good they decided just to keep it and make it the song one and done one and done you got it you got it Mm -hmm. also i mean you talked about the bang 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 word on the street is that this song was a bit of a key in inspiring the 2014 hit Bang Bang with Ariana Grande, Jesse J, and Nicki Minaj. The rumor is that it samples bits and pieces of Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go, but I listened to the song again, like keeping that in mind, and I don't really hear it. So take that with a grain of salt. Fair enough. But that's the rumor. I love that jitterbug part. It just doesn't get any better. What a high energy fun song. It's great. I love it. I love it too. It's everything I want and everything she wants. <laughs> yeah. Did you, you knew Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. You came into the episode jitterbugging. Did you know Everything She Wants ahead of time? This one is also out and about pretty widely. Yep, I knew this one too. Mm, I kind of figured as much. Everything She Wants was part of a double A side with with Last Christmas. <laughs> Actually, they put out oh. Everything She Wants and Last Christmas in one absolute banger of a single. I mean, it doesn't get any better than a double A side with 
two of the biggest. How does that work? How does that double A side work? They're just both good songs. I mean, that's how it works. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, usually, I mean, you'd put a single out on a B side to help it sell more because it was paired with something people really wanted. (laughs) You know what I mean? So that's why a lot of B side songs don't necessarily make the albums, or if they do make the albums, they're not the most popular of tracks. Makes sense. Yeah. But that wasn't the case, obviously, for Last Christmas and Everything She Wants. Everything She Wants was Wham's third straight number one hit in the United States. George Michael says, it's about a marriage which obviously isn't going well, right? Because uh, the the speaker... She didn't wake him up before she went well. Well, she's about to go, go. The speaker envisions the couple that he's in. They're just a few months into things, and he feels that he gets trapped in this relationship after she gets pregnant. So in his mind, he's working so hard and pouring all his energy and his money into this situation where he's just not feeling the spark anymore. And he actually, George Michael, thought that this song was a departure from their usual song subject matter. He said, our lyrics are usually a lot closer to the kind of pop lightweight lyric. But he thought this one worked out well because it was a change of pace for the band. Interesting. I guess from, I don't know, I think it fits. I don't know know if I quite buy that. What do you mean you don't quite buy that? We just talked about Jitterbug, put the bang, bang, boom, boom into my feet, brain. Yeah. And then this one is yeah. like, ugh, the burden of our relationship is weighing me down and we have a child together and I cannot leave and I'm trapped in this undesirable situation. And I mean, that's way different. Yeah, but I don't know if it's a complete departure. I feel like they've got, what, all these other songs on here aren't. I don't know. I guess, I guess maybe it's um, the tone is messing with me. The tone matches. The tone very much matches. Even if the the oh that synth hook is so saturated. There's so much dimension yeah. to the instrumental, and I think that's part of why it doesn't feel like such a so weighty good. song, because it's just so fun. This is one of my favorite songs from the record. Yeah, I think it's pretty hard to beat that um, chorus hook. Right as it goes in, the somebody tell me. Yeah. <laughs> so it's so good it's a classic and it's highly memorable it always gets stuck in my head and i also love the lyric here they told me marriage was a give and take well you've shown me you can take you've got some giving to do i like that how they flip that on its head a little bit right there also how do you feel about the pre-chorus with all the, the uh-huh oh's lalas and ahas and doo-doo's. yeah with all those little syllables Honestly, I love it. I don't know. I think it works, yeah. I think it works really well with this format and this style. When you look at it on paper, like, oh, that's going to be stupid. And then you get to it, and it's like, nope, it works. It's a, a very clean production job. Points to the production score on that one. And lyrically, I mean, the only actual words uh-huh, in the pre-chorus uh-huh. are, oh, oh. I can't work any harder than I do. Which, to me, is like the epitome of this frustration. He's like, at his wit's end, this is everything I've got. And it's still not good. <laughs> Still not enough. Yeah. So somebody tell me why I work so hard for you. I'm going to tell me what song we're doing next. <laughs> Up next, if you're uh, keeping count along with the album, it's track three, Heartbeat. And what if you're not keeping track with the it's album? It's still the next track we're talking about is Heartbeat. Oh, yes. okay. Just making sure. Yes. I really love the atmosphere of Heartbeat. It's uh, it's kind of nice. It's very piano driven. We kind of move out of the synth driven first pair of songs and Heartbeat really feels like a proper mid-80s piano rock song yeah it also features another one of your favorite recurring tropes the changing of the seasons uh-huh. as this relationship falls apart is that a, one of my favorite tropes well you liked it when barry manilow did it with the falling leaves and yeah but isn't that closer to your trope 
you're the one that really like I liked it once with uh that, but you like it when we progress through things. It happened well, with it, it uh, happened. Yeah, I guess yours is more of the uh days of the week. That's clever. We've have we've run into that a couple times, it's true. And you've loved it. Yeah, I think you even commented that you're a days of the week liker. I'm are you not? <laughs> it depends on the day. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love the concept here, though, of of talking to and chastising his own heartbeat. That's the whole idea of it. Is my heartbeat is uh, is hurting me and deserting my heartbeat is keeping me here. I don't know. I like it. Yeah, I'm quite a big fan, especially just how it starts. It really starts out that heavy drum, and then I just really like the uh, vocal um, rhythm for the verse. Yeah, and it it pairs really well with that like rising riff that the guitar likes to do. Do do uh-huh. do do. Do 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 do. Yeah, it's it's spot on. I'm trying to think, I'm I'm fairly certain this song's been in some sort of pop culture thing I've seen. I wouldn't call that unlikely. It's another one I knew. Oh yeah, you did still know this one too. Is this gonna be like Kiss, where you knew every single song? Uh, we'll have to see. We'll have to wait and see. Time will tell. I just searched to see if it was in anything. There is a movie Heartbeat from 1987 where actor Don Johnson and his band performed the song. Otherwise, I have no information for you. I also have to point out I want to certify. I don't want to certify poetry necessarily, but I want to certify consideration for a pretty good line okay. where he says, standing on the line between desire and duty. Yeah, that's a pretty good line. Yeah, I think that's a great illustration of sometimes what I want isn't exactly what I am obligated to do. And sometimes that line is unclear and we straddle it. Sometimes it lines up perfectly, but sometimes we sway to one side or the other. And that's what the heartbeat is all about. Where do we go? What do we do? Is it what we want? Or is it what we need? Up next, the next song on the album is Like a Baby. This song is probably the perfect middle album track from this record. Out of these eight, they nailed it. This one starts off with a very, very long, chill instrumental. More than a minute and a half of the song's 415. And it's got some really awesome guitar work. I think it's a great moment to really feature the guitar. Because we haven't seen a lot of it in uh, the last couple songs. I mean... We talk about it a little bit in Heartbeat. It does a couple of little riffs, but but Like a Baby is really where it gets its moment to shine. Yeah. It's sad because the instrumentals are, like you said, awesome on this song. They really stand out. Um, but because of some of the other songs that are on this album, it kind of falls more towards the middle of the pack for me. Yeah. Still. No, I'd agree with that. Yeah, this song is forgettable once you get past the instrumentals because the verse is so like sparse. Compared to the rest of this record, it's light and airy and spacious you know there's not a lot filling it in yeah just it doesn't have that energy that i that i that i've come to expect from when no this song i mean very clearly does not wham you it uh it maws me so like wham backwards is what you're trying to yeah right yeah no this they said the record's called make it big let's just take a moment to make it small and they just really scale like everything back like a baby yeah babies are small most of the time what an interesting song structure this is, too. It's like a verse-verse-chorus, and that's about it. The rhythms and the rhyme scheme line up in a very interesting way because phrases kind of ebb and flow differently. Like, they're in time with the music, but the phrases don't really feel broken into meter. You know, it doesn't have that same bop ba 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 bop thing that, like, a, a normal line in a song would have it hits different because the syllables land on different stresses and i like that we like it ending also with the drums and the tambourine on this song i think is a smart decision i like it yeah it's good up next is freedom by wham not to be confused with george michael's later hit freedom 90 but to be confused with his big hit faith 
which borrows the same melody but on an organ. Yes. So this is like a this is like a precursor to George Michael's solo career. And it's still only the second biggest precursor to George Michael's solo career on this album. Oh, uh, keeping with it, I did know the song Like a Baby, and I do know this you song. You knew Like a Baby? Yeah. Wow, how'd you know that one? I was a baby once. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, okay, well, that makes sense. So the basic premise behind Freedom is this girl is running around with other guys and offering this fella his freedom, but he doesn't want freedom because, quote-unquote, part-time love brings him down. And all he wants right now is her. He just doesn't want freedom. I like that. That's a, a cool pivot from the traditional way we think about freedom. It's another song that employs a lot of uh, melodic syllables. Little doo-doo-doos. Yes, it does. And I think they still work. I agree. Still on board. Wham! might be the, the best. They get, they get the doo-doo award. <laughs> Fair enough. I can get behind it. I like that part of the first verse where he says if you love me you deny it like you deny my freedom if you really loved me because you'd want to keep me around i love that and he also says that i like this admission of i guess weakness where he says i know that i'll forgive you once twice forever that's such a powerful line it just really gives us a lot of insight into his character and exactly why she's able to run around like she is and know that there's no consequences because he's made it clear that he will forgive her once twice forever And this is another sad or weighty song that just hides behind this really, really, really extravagantly bright exterior. It really does. Super happy. And again, that's part of why I said I didn't really buy that the other one was a departure. Oh, if you listen to Fantastic, which I also almost considered doing for the podcast, uh, it's definitely a departure from that one. That one's just a feel-good record. Okay, fair enough. Club Tropicana, drinks are free. Wham Rap, you should listen to Wham Rap. Oh, that's a wild ride. Bold of you to assume I haven't. Have you? No. (laughs) consider me bold and in italics whoa 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 i didn't give you permission to be in italics tough i don't want your freedom if you were there you'd you'd know yeah next up is if you were there my first note is you would know it's not a particularly (laughs) useful note but i think it's important to the song so this song revolves around how our speaker behaves himself when other girls are around that should be always that should be all we uh say about this i should say you'd know and then move on. <laughs> if you if you listen to it, you'd know. You'd know. No, it's already a the album's already short enough. Oh, all right. I know. Fair. But I like the idea. Basically, well, ideas guy. He's getting approached by all these women. His partner's getting a little concerned, and uh, that's you know not great. But what he's telling her in this song is, listen, if you were there, you'd know how much I'm all in on you, how I turn these other people away, and how much I'm wrapped around your finger. Love that. It's nice. I like the reverse syntax of that sentiment. It's on your finger, I'm wound. Oh, okay, yeah, I do like... Decent. It's a little bit of a stretch, a little bit of a push to rhyme with around. But, you know what? Sometimes you gotta. Sometimes you gotta. This song is almost like the opposite. Well, I mean, it's the same idea of freedom, but it feels like it's from the opposite point of view. Uh, because in freedom, the girl really is like, wants him to have his freedom and wants him to get out and go with other people. And he's like, I don't want it. This time... He's out there with other people, and his partner is like, hey, I don't want you to do that. And he's like, listen, I'm not. (laughs) I'm with you all the time. So this is like one where he has the freedom to go do that, and it's it's being reined in intentionally instead of one where he's trying to avoid it intentionally. Up next, if you thought Like a Baby was a song about babies, Credit Card Baby is the next track on the record. 
A lot of baby songs this week. <laughs> this may be the babiest album we've done. All right, then. Can I get the baby award as well? Wham gets the, the baby doo-doo award. The baby... <laughs> No. That one I'll allow. All right. <laughs> Wham, Wham gets the Spin It Doo Doo Baby Award. <laughs> Credit card baby. You know, people think this girl is so sweet, but then she starts to get upset. And so what does our hero do? He whips out his credit card just to keep her red hot fingers off his heart. Yeah. Yeah, he's just... Ain't no, ain't no, ain't no Cheeto dust getting on his heart. Red, you think the red hot fingers are from flaming Hot Cheetos? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what he thought too. I think that's exactly what this is about. He says, "Hey, if you're starting to throw a tantrum, I'm going to I'll buy you some flaming hot Cheetos with my credit card." Yep. Fantastic. I love the line too behind that, beyond the red hot fingers when he says, "You're getting what you want, girl. It just ain't me." Like, yeah, I'm I'm doing all this to pacify you, but simultaneously, you're also losing my affection. I like it. I like it. Yeah. She's a gold digger, you know, and she only gets upset, it seems, just so that she can get into his pockets. This song is absurdly long to me. I think Credit Card Baby is the most needlessly long song on this album. I agree. It's not the longest, actually. It's the second longest, but five minutes and nine seconds is a long time for Credit Card Baby. Yeah. Oh, um... I did not know uh, if you were there or Credit Card Baby, by the Whoa. way. Whoa, well, that's because you weren't there. If you were there, you would know. Yeah. <laughs> it was the only two songs I didn't know because I did know our next track. Oh, yeah. Careless Whisper. The next and final song on the album, far and away, the biggest song in George Michael's catalog, is indeed Careless Whisper. Do you think that's the biggest? Yes. Or are you saying just specifically in George Michael's catalog? Well... Uh, it's an interesting dynamic here because this song was, I mean, it's on a Wham album. It's kind of credited as Wham, but the song is basically just the first one to be attributed to George Michael alone as a solo song. Interesting. Yeah. You can look and even on Spotify, it's on this album, but the artist listed beneath it is just George Michael. It's a little weird. Yeah, it is weird. I do think it's the biggest song in George Michael's catalog, and that's just because Everybody recognizes that saxophone instantly, right? Whether you you know anything. I mean, I just don't think it's as big as the Christmas song or Wake Me Up Before You Go. Okay, well, that's true. That's a good point. I think it's bigger than Wake Me Up Before You Go Go. Really? I would say so, yes. Interesting. Mm-hmm. It's close. It's, it's not a, you know, it's not a landslide. I just think Careless Whispers is probably the most instantly recognizable song. Careless Whispers is definitely the most like pop culturally okay. memeable. It's referenced the most. Yeah. And maybe that's why it feels bigger. I mean, it's in Deadpool, so it's pretty big. That's true. Yeah, that is a marker of success. If you've never bothered to listen past the saxophone solo on this song, the idea is that there's this cheat that happens. There's an unfaithful partner and it causes this irreparable rift in the relationship, right? You can't dance. Those feet feel guilty. George Michael actually wrote this song by himself when he was just 17 years old, and it is surprisingly impersonal to him. Like, he doesn't connect with this or relate to it at all. Interesting. Yeah, and it actually kind of got under his skin because he just thought it was a bunch of words he threw together, didn't think there was a ton to it but so many people started connecting with it he said it disappoints me that you can write a lyric very flippantly and not a particularly good lyric and it can mean so much to so many people that's disillusioning for a writer Mm. yeah he really didn't like this song that's a bit (laughs) self-centered 
I mean, I suppose. How dare you not like the things that I wrote from my heart? How dare you latch on to other things? <laughs> no, I, I don't think that's the point he was making. I think he's just saying, I just wrote garbage. Like, I just put these things in here. They don't really... If anything, he should view it as a compliment, because that means he's such a good writer that even when he can't identify with what he wrote... People can't. It's good enough others still can. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. That's true. He should really view it as a compliment. Yeah, he should. Should have. But he didn't. Yeah, this song, uh, I was... This song was a huge staple of our high school's band. Um, we would... <laughs> uh, not in any official capacity. Um, it's just everybody would go around playing the saxophone solo on their instrument. I can't believe it. And when, I mean, when you like, say... Like, it got bad enough that, like, we'd be we'd be on break, right? We we got there, we'd practice, and then we'd take a water break or whatever. And it got bad enough that uh, our director had to ban us from playing and on breaks because we were wearing ourselves out. <laughs> Instead of resting during the break, we'd just all be playing Careless Whisper. <laughs> That's incredible. And then, not, and then still be tired when we went back out on the field. That's so funny. And so they had to be like, if I hear any Careless Whisper during this break, <laughs> it was like, yeah it was bad no i believe it and i mean that was a big meme at the time we watched videos of people just like careless whisper bombing unsuspecting people where they just walk around with a saxophone and just start playing it and get thrown out of public places it's it's iconic and it's no surprise to me at least that that iconic saxophone intro was no easy task they burned through 11 saxophone players in the studio before they found one who could finish that line in a single breath. Man. Yeah. The musician that won out was named Steve Gregory. He actually played the solo on a slowed down tape, and then they sped it up into what you hear today. So all in all, I mean, I think that's very interesting. That's a Wham! album full of hits, and to just end it with the juggernaut track of Careless Whisper, I mean, it really gives this album a, a sense of closure to me that, that a lot of the other records we've had lack it's i think it's like the perfect track to end it on i mean that saxophone solo is the perfect way to put the bow on on make it big absolutely careless whisper makes it big and you know what and now it's gonna make our i don't know i, don't know, I was gonna try to transition there but it didn't really make sense so uh. no <laughs> i guess that that makes it time for our final spin doesn't it here already after just eight tracks you'd know i i am here so i guess i do know let's talk about it it being the album. Musically, oh man, what a fun time. I love the energy they bring to this album. Every track except for Like a Baby is just, I think, spot on. And even Like a Baby starts off with that instrumental that's just so good. It sounds a little dated. It sounds a little bit like a product of the 80s. But honestly, that's kind of charming in this instance. It's hard not to love. I'm giving music an 88. As for lyrics, it's a bit tougher. You know, some of these lyrics... Like the ones in Careless Whisper, George Michael kind of admits to not loving. But some lyrics are really interesting and really exciting. You know, uh, things like Everything She Wants being such a heavy song. I think that's executed really well between the do's and the laws. Freedom is a really clever twist on the concept of having freedom. If you were there, you'd know. Heartbeat is like a cool concept of trying to speak to your own heartbeat. I think there's a lot of neat conceptual stuff and a lot of a good balance of fun things too, like Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. So I'm giving lyrics an 80. Instruments and production, hmm, it's tough. It's clean. You know, I think the production is really good. It's just hard to overlook sometimes that this album does have a lot of the same sounds throughout. I think that's good for vibe score, but for an instrument score, I don't know if it's necessarily very varied in its instruments 
It's a lot of synth. It's a lot of that heavy, snappy drum sound. I'm giving Instruments of Production a 79, and that's maybe the score I'm the least happy with or comfortable with, but I think that's probably where it lands. And for Vibe, I just have such a good time with this album every time I put it on. I, honestly, I think I'm a big Wham! fan. I like Fantastic a lot. I like this a lot. I could get into it. I'm giving Vibe a 90. A 90. Yeah, and of course, since George Michael was the creative force behind all these songs, he gets that bonus point. That gives the album an 86.1. Squirrels are nodding approval. Oh, the squirrels, uh, they're nodding approval now. Because here's the problem. 86.1 puts this album at a tie. Oh. Do you have any guesses what it's just tied with out of the episodes we've done? Oh, how would I know? Oh, it's tied with one we've done? Yeah. Otherwise, I don't mention it because there are a lot of ties. I don't know. What's it tied with? It's a tie with Permanent Vacation by Aerosmith from episode six. Interesting. It is, isn't it? I think those are two very different albums, but the more I think about it, yes. the more I kind of think they score about the same. I'd hope so, considering they did. Yes. So to break the tie, I have a system here. We have to go past the weighted score, past the unweighted score, to the highest score in the highest weighted category. Well, what it came down to for these two to break the tie is the lyrics. Oh, so they tied on music, too. I gave them both an 88 on music, yeah. Now, which one do you think has the better lyrics? I know it's been a minute since we talked about Permanent Vacation. It has been a minute. I'm just going to guess that one based off of your notes on this one. Okay, well, that is a... A weak rationale, but a good guess. I gave Aerosmith ah. an 83 on lyrics compared to the 80 here. So Aerosmith takes it just by the tiniest margins. And that means Wham! ends up sitting pretty at 198 with Permanent Vacation just above it. Top 200. Mm-hmm. I like this album. It's so fun. And you, you'll probably be happy because you get to take half of the album in your top threes. <laughs> Assuming I don't take more. I am assuming you won't take more, <laughs> but it's always possible. I've never put it past you. Yeah, just go ahead and knock out those top three since you brought them up. That's why I brought them up. That's kind of the direction I figured we'd move. In album order, shocking no one. Wake me up before you go-go. I'm shocked. Oh, well, shocking, James. Wake me up before you go-go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, everything she wants. Top two from the top two. Yep. Honorable mention, going to number three, Heartbeat. Ooh, okay. And the final top three pick, shocking, again, no one, Careless Whisper. Mm, that one doesn't shock me, even. Even I cannot be shocked by that that last pick. Yeah, you're, so you're kind of bookending it with this one. Strong start, strong end. Yeah, like I said, I really liked like a baby's instrumentals. It just it falls in that middle of the pack because of those four. Oh, the three that come before it and the and the and the closer. It just defaults in at number five at highest. It really is like the baby on this album. <laughs> Every other track is yeah. it's just a little more than it, mm-hmm. or a lot more than it. I don't want to imply that they're all just anyway. You get the idea. That's a solid top yeah. four. What's your playlist pick? Because that is a tough question I've been struggling to answer for myself. For me, it's got to be some combination of Wake Me Up Before You Go Go, Everything She Wants, and Careless Whisper. Good. We're on the same page in that regard. It's got to be two out of the three of those. And honestly, I'm trying to decide if it should be Everything She Wants or Careless Whisper. Okay, so Wake Me Up Before You Go Go is a is a shoe-in for you. I think for me, and I think you would then take Everything She Wants, I believe, based off of what you said. I think you're right. That's that's honestly probably what I would do. Careless Whisper is great. And it keeps with the pattern It keeps with the pattern of us taking tracks right after one another, so let's <laughs> Which do is it. A frequent thing that we do yeah although first and last track would be kind of fun but i think careless whisper kind of would be a bit of a stalwart on our playlist i feel like that would i tend to agree yeah 
it's a great song, and I mean, solid, obviously top three worthy material, but I do think it, it would be a little bit of a speed bump on an otherwise awesome playlist. Not that Careless Whisper makes it less awesome. Yeah. You get the idea. So those will be our top two. The top two. Top two for the top two. Nice. Uh, as for my score, what do, you, what do you think? What do you think this one's going at? A great question. You already knew a lot of the songs on this, so I know it's kind of in your wheelhouse of things that you like. Yep. It's like right on, on brand for your palate. Um, This one to me feels like it might be an eight for you. Ooh, an eight. Mm-hmm. If I were going to rank this album for you, I'd give it an eight, and I'd put it above Siamese Dream. Maybe above I Like It When You Sleep. Okay. You pretty much nailed it. Hey, that's a nail. Wham. Yeah, this one gets an eight. It's going to slide in right under We Are, I think. Exactly where I put it. Yes. <laughs> I liked it better than uh, I Like It When You Sleep. I don't think I liked it more than We Are. I think We Are was stronger. So I think it goes there between the two of them. Yeah, I I think that's pretty good. I I'll take that from you. And of course, gotta have a unit. Gotta know. What if we don't put a? What if we say the unit in the episode, and then on the spreadsheet it just says, "If you were there, you'd know." <laughs> don't worry, I got you covered. This one's getting eight. You'd know <laughs> out of ten. <laughs> the, oh. <laughs> okay so we just kind of made the same joke there yeah i really wow am yeah. i in your head on this episode like apparently i know where you're ranking it i know what your units are i know your top threes and for those of you who are here and do know what my real unit is it is uh eight boisterous oozing capybaras ew ew <laughs> i hate it but i love it and that's the real unit and if you're here you'd know that's the real unit and you'd know you'd know if you were here <laughs> And again, that's what I love about this this show and that, that game specifically is George Michael has nothing to do with capybaras. Like, in no way is, is anything about this band related to capybaras. But that's the unit. You give it eight capybaras. Not just eight capybaras, eight boisterous oozing capybaras. Yeah. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. We should tell you about something very exciting that's happening. Yes, yes, very exciting. Do tell. I shall. Here's the deal. We've got a singles episode coming up, but we're going to change, uh, we're going to mix it up a little bit. We're doing our singles episode in bracket format, and we need your help. Yes. We're calling on you, the writing department, the audience, we need you to come and help us pick out which singles are going to advance in our first ever Spin It bracket tournament. Yes, uh, bracket. Yeah. We're going to be live streaming it from our Twitch, which you can find at twitch.tv slash spinitpod or at spinitpod on Twitch. And we're going to be doing that on Thursday, August 25th. So that's the Thursday after this episode comes out. Yes. We're going to need you there. We're going to need your votes. And you'll get to have a say in how that episode plays out. The bracket is out now if you're listening to this. Yes. So you can go find that all over socials on our website. We'll, We'll put it everywhere so you can... Be thinking about it. Listen to the songs ahead of time if you want. Yes, it's a one-hit wonders themed episode. So all your favorite one-hit wonders from several, several decades will be competing. From the 60s through the 2010s. Yeah, they will be competing in one massive bracket. One massive bracket of 16. Yeah, well, it's massive to us. It'll also, if you're concerned about not being able to make that live stream, it will come out as our normal episode 60 after we've edited it for audio and stuff there will still be a normal episode version it'll be way less cool though so no if you want your vote counted and it will be way less cool be sure to try and swing by on august 25th at spin it pod on twitch yeah in the meantime you can also find updates about that and more on our socials at spin it pod on twitter spin it pod official on instagram and www.spinitpod.com 
Next week, we've got a B-side episode coming out. It's going to be a big, long one that I am so excited for. It's a band that I've recently come to love, and I went and saw them in concert. So the B-side will have special concert notes and other things. So stay tuned for that. We'll see you on Thursday for the live stream, and then next week for next week's episode promptly following that. And until then... No matter who you are or what you're doing, if you're here and you know, or you're not here and you don't know, keep spinning. Keep spinning. Jitterbug. How did I know that's what you're going to go to? (laughs) (laughs) It's because you were here. Is the jitterbug even like a real bug or is it just a dance? Excuse you. How dare you? How dare I what? How dare you say it's not a real bug and trying to invalidate its feelings. And it is a real bug, I think. No. No, it's not. No. Apparently. No, it's not. It's not. Apparently, the jitterbug was a bug sent by the Wicked Witch of the West to waylay the heroes by forcing them to do a jitterbug style dance. The heroes? What What heroes? Is that a, another Wizard of Oz thing? Somebody call Lil Wayne. He'll know. And you'd only know that if you were here after our outro. I suppose so. Jitterbug. <laughs>